I encourage all of you to move to the country as soon as possible. <laughs> Especially come live near us. And I want to encourage you to use the days in between as part of the course. It's incremental. It's not something that grows when you don't use it. If you've ever been sick or if you've ever been caring physically for hospice patients, you'll know that when you don't use your limbs, they atrophy and they become useless. The same is true with the mind. The health of the mind depends on its use, but it's the way we use it. So using your mind at a fast pace, seven days a week, without taking the time to stop and practice stopping, then how will you be able to use the stopping capacity of the mind and learn how to bring it into your daily life for your benefit? Stopping and seeing the obstacles before they build up into a crippling or disabling condition is just as important for our mental training as it is for our physical well-being. If you really want to have health of the heart, of the heart-mind, then just as we care for the body, we have to care for the mind, care for the way we use it. So when you see moody thoughts, depressed thoughts, angry thoughts, restlessness, distraction, boredom, doubt, these are all obstacles which at the level of thought we can still let go more quickly before these develop into emotional states that envelop us. But to learn how to remain aware and peaceful and equanimous throughout these lifetimes that are given to us, that's, that's a real project. By examining the obstacles that we experience just from stopping for a few minutes every day, this is like a key in the keyhole that shows us how we can be with our minds, how we can care for the mind, care for the way we use it. Instead of just the mind, a thought comes in, and you feel like you've got to listen to it, react to it, you have no choice, no option. But the very important thing we have in this practice is with awareness and mindful attention to be able to know that thought is an obstacle. Once we know that it's not helping us, what do we do? Knowing it is the first power. What did you say? Let it go. It's easy to say, let it go, but it just comes right back. How many of you garden? So the weeds, they keep coming back, right? <laughs> what do you do? <laughs> you keep pulling them out. Just keep pulling. Put mulch. That's exactly it. You dig down and pull it out by its roots we begin to believe our minds to such an extent that we become puppets of our thoughts. Thoughts come in, and the next thing we're salivating for the thing that is appearing in our mind, a sandwich, a, a drink, a cigarette, whatever it might be, or an experience. 
already we believe that we need God to be happy. But if we examine it from the meditative point of view, with this onlooking awareness that we're practicing as meditators, we begin to see that it's coming with a tone or a state of greed. It's wanting and it's strong wanting. There's different forms of greed. There's subtle greed. There's advanced greed. There's medium greed. (laughs) But essentially all of it is greed. The whole impetus of our conditioning is moved by the fuel of the wanting in the mind. We're conditioned and trained to want from when we're babies. Grab whatever you can and stick it in your mouth until it tastes terrible or it hurts. Or, and then we learn, oh, don't put that in your mouth. And then as adults, we're still trying to do that. And then we get burnt. But we don't seem to learn. We keep going for the things that hurt us. Because we've developed this habit of greed and we haven't caught on yet that it's not by trying to satisfy greed that we actually satisfy greed. It never ends. Just like greed for money. The more you have, the more you want. The less you have, the more you want too. (laughs) It's so overwhelming. The only way to really overcome greed is to uproot it. Uproot it? How do you do that? We begin to uproot greed by understanding it. Recognizing it. And knowing it more and more. And you try to let it go. Well, it keeps coming back, coming back. And you keep noticing, noticing. And after you keep seeing it, we just let it go. Whenever you're meditating and you feel that you have an obstacle, you can reduce it always to one denominator, and that is the wanting in the heart. Another obstacle that we mentioned is ill will or negativity, which is also a form of wanting. The negativity we saw is the opposite of getting what you want. It's still wanting not to have what you don't like. Now remember that restlessness and distraction or anxiety, it's a reduced form of aversion or negativity. It's not as strong as hatred, but you don't like what's going on. So you're fidgeting, you're get me out of here, got something better to do. It's not really very bad. It's just a minor irritation, which can develop into a major reactivity. Yet, we allow ourselves to be distracted. We don't have the stability, the trust, the security within us, or the curiosity to just stay with the present moment and see what else there is there in the silence. The mind just keeps chattering, chewing on the past, future, wandering into possibilities. How do you keep uprooting it? By just look at the flowers, be in the present moment. Feeling, seeing, knowing your experience moment by moment. Watch the change. Watching change cannot disappoint us because we're just being with things exactly as they are. We're going against the current. We're not falling victim to the wanting mind. It's very difficult. That's a process of slowly uprooting the habits 
of a whole lifetime of wanting. The fourth one is the opposite of restlessness. And what is that? Lethargy. You just feel bored or you'd rather go for a, a walk in the garden and then sit under a tree and fall asleep. Sleepiness is not a condition that we can easily avoid. It comes for many reasons. We're tired. Have you ever gone skating? And then when you stop, it feels like you're still moving? Part of the lethargy is because we're moving so quickly, we're like missiles in our lives. We're going at such a fast pace, but when we stop, the mind is still revolving, and the body has stopped. So there's a dissonance there. In a way, it makes us dizzy. And oftentimes, you feel like you, you just don't know what's going on. So you fall asleep. It's a kind of escape from the reality of the present moment. We've just got to practice more sharp awareness. Pinpoint concentration on your present experience through connecting with the physical sensation or connecting with the breath. Doubt is another mind state. It arises when any of these obstacles and is confused, deluded, and it's that quick revolution of the mind, orbiting, circling, can't stop, don't know, doesn't trust. It's doubt. It takes you right out of your experience, and it keeps you in the conceptual mind. Not able to trust just being present. These five obstacles will keep coming in different proportions, to distract and kidnap our attention again and again. One day you'll feel more wanting, another day you'll feel more aversion, next moment you'll feel restless, next sitting you'll feel sleepy, and then if you get into too compacted a state of doubt, you won't want to meditate. It'll be so powerful that you'll say, forget this. That's like the gardener that gives up on the weeds. They overwhelm. You see, if you don't keep at it and apply the anti-weed coping strategies, then you can't have a garden because the weeds take over. And it's the same with the mind. You want a garden in your mind? You have to take care of it by stopping and seeing what is going on in there. How am I spending my time? What am I allowing my mind to be caught up with? That's why this is so important. Otherwise, we will get overrun and we will be controlled by these forces that are universal. They will control us whether we're nice people or not. No matter how good you think you are, how generous, you will still be vulnerable to the greedy mind, the angry mind, the restless mind, the sleepy mind, the confused, deluded mind. I ask you just to practice your awareness again. Letting go of thinking. Not giving in to the weeds. We're not scholars. This is the opposite of studying through conceptual thinking. This is investigating through intuitive awareness. It's from your belly instead of your brain. Drop down into your belly. And let the mulch of your belly cover 
the leading thinking mind so that you can be present. Now, as you're doing this and you're just observing your breathing, you're feeling the breath and watching and just allowing it to be pure breath. And then a thought comes, let it go. No, no, no thinking. But this mind, the thinking is so powerful. So you have to be very patient. And you have to, you know, if there was a person trying to sell you something and you know that you really don't want to buy it, how do you get out of that? Exactly. So the mind is trying to sell you these different scenarios and we're always saying, oh yes, 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 yes. No, we have to say no. No. Greed? No. Anger? No. Restlessness? No. You just keep saying no. Don't believe it. It's not what you think. It will not satisfy. It will not give us the happiness we want. If we can learn to do this with ourselves, how peaceful we will be with ourselves because we will not be running according to these neurotic mind states anymore. This is peace-giving for the mind, is, is life for the mind, life for the heart. It's the healthiest thing we can drink into our being is to grow in stillness rather than to grow in greed, hatred, and delusion. But most of the time, we're growing in just what we don't need. It's about experiencing nothing, nothingness, being able to be completely empty of thought. Well, what's that in worldly terms? You you can't call that progress. It's undoing all our notions of pro-anything, We're trying to let go that whole methodology of going from A to B so that I can get C. Going through the intuitive road here. And it's by feeling our way inside and understanding the power of silence. So when the mind comes up with a message, you're going to switch it off. And it's a nuisance. It'll keep switching itself back on again. But then don't fall for it. Just remember the switch. It's helpful to use props that bring you into the stillness more and help encourage and awaken your senses back into the moment again and again and put a restraining force around your mind. And then you wean yourself off of those props eventually until you get so skilled. It's like when you're learning how to ride a bicycle as a kid. You have two little wheels and two big ones. And eventually you learn how to balance and you don't need those little wheels anymore. And it's such a joy when you learn to balance. So when we learn how to balance in the present moment, it's the inner refresher. You can get it anywhere. You don't need to have a CD anymore. You don't need to come to a class even. But until we learn how to have that much independence, and really carry it through in the stress of our lives, then we need each other as supports. If you start rattling around, you're going to get up and walk out, but you won't if you're in a class, because it will disturb everyone. So you just keep sitting, and then you're forced to practice. Like the voice, it gets you back into your experience instead of wandering. 
what do they call those cones on the highway? Cones. <laughs> when you're driving, you know to stay this side of the cone, and if you hit it, you've gone too far over. It's the same with this practice. When we're with the stillness, we're really with it. And when the thoughts bump us out of the stillness, we know we've been bumped out. So what do we do? We get back to the stillness. Instead of continuing to careen off the edge of the highway, where we'll have an accident. There are roadmaps for each of us, and we each figure out our own. But in the beginning, we try to learn the general map that everyone else uses, or the most common ones, and then we adapt to our own condition. It's intuitive. We figure it out, and we begin to see the tricks of our own mind. Now, your mind's tricks are going to be different from yours, and yours, and, and mine, etc. So we have to trust our creative ingenuity and our intelligence, but not use it for thinking as we do in ordinary life. Use it to go beyond my request is practice today I was hoping to do a few minutes of standing but we've run out of time well we can stand up (laughs) what do we have to do before we stand up is bring our attention to the act of standing up not to be so impulsive Our whole life is run according to impulse. It's like we're pulling the gears and we don't even know how to use them. Now, when you have a hospice patient or you're in in a situation of counseling families, you have to be so mindful before you speak, before you move, before you reach, before you try to intervene. It's like, wait. You're coming from 100 miles an hour and they're not moving. So you've got to get back to stillness. If you're moving from stillness, you can trust it. There will be wisdom. There will be that intuition operating for you. But if you're moving from thought, you could very well cause more pain, more suffering than is already there, more anxiety by bringing your own stuff, projecting onto the situation. Really, we want to be able to bring this into the work here by practicing in our daily movements, even when you stand up. Stop. Stand up from a stopping place. And the way to stop is just bring your attention to your body. Have compassion. We move ever so slowly and we watch the resistance. We just pay attention. Is it creaking? It's okay. Is it old? This is how it moves. Accepting it giving a sense of love and compassion to ourselves moment by moment. This we can then carry into the standing posture, into the walking, into the talking, into eating, drinking. Every move that we make can be a practice. So do as much of this as you can for the next week, starting with we're going to stand up together very mindfully and then experience the gladness of simply standing. So just breathe into your belly. Feel your legs connecting to the floor, your feet 
touching the floor. Let the motto for this week always be, touch your life. Touch your heart. Keep your feet on the earth. I look forward to seeing you next week.